Would you love to get rid of those bags under your eyes? Would you love a facelift, but you don't want to pay for an expensive and risky surgery? If you answered yes, and if you have a face, then you need to watch this two-minute jaw-dropping video. Do it now. Your face will thank you. Facelift2minutes.com. That's facelift2minutes.com. Easiest way to get first-page Google rankings and skyrocket your profits, visit prestigebacklinks.com. This just in, wanted to let you all know, we've been listening to Inspire Walker's song, Come and Get It. Guess what? She's doing a video for that song. She's gotten approval from the school in Meridian where she lives, and they're going to have some of the students involved, and when it's done, Guess who's going to be one of the first to get to see it? You will be because you're connected to This Needs to Be Said. Hi, this is Inspire Walker, and you are rocking with This Needs to Be Said. In order for your dream to happen, you have to make it happen. You read it. Come and get it, you want it, come and get it right here, come and get it for real, just come and get it, takes work, but you can get it, takes time, but you can get it, stop talking, come and get it, keep pushing, and you will get it, you hoping fast for
Thank you for joining us today for This Needs to Be Said. We're going to be joined by Ms. Marilyn Redman, who's a winning international writer, syndicated columnist, consultant, counselor, regression and past life therapist, and speaker, sharing the dynamics of life for healing your life. She is a member of the American Board of Hypnotherapy and the International Board of Regression Therapy. She was inducted into Who's Who for Professional and Executives for her innovative and pioneering work restoring traumatic lives, healing emotional causes of illness, and releasing negative energy through her innovative therapeutic hypnosis. Marilyn's first book, Roses Have Thorns, is available at Amazon.com along with her other writings. Her next book is Paradigm Busters Reveal the Real You. Her website offers articles, her radio show, interviews, lectures, and her art at angelicasgifts.gifts. Excuse me, make sure that's the S, angelicasgifts.com. Marilyn was ordained as a spiritual minister to do readings and spiritual counseling along with healing illness, regression therapy, past life therapy, and healing your soul. In addition, she channels ascended masters archangels, and brings in your family members who have passed over to the other side. Enjoy her channeling on YouTube along with her lectures and interviews. Marilyn is a multi-talented individual and wishes to share her abilities with everyone. AngelicasGifts.com. Head on over there and you'll see the links that will lead you over to her YouTube channel. But at this time, I'd like to welcome Miss Marilyn Redman to This Needs to Be Said. Welcome, well, thank you for having me on today. I'm so pleased and thrilled, and I appreciate your uh, taking this time out to uh, have this program and help others with uh, the information you provide. Well, you're welcome, and thank you for being a part of it. Now, the book that we're going to talk about today, The Real Meaning of 2012, A New Paradigm, Bringing Heaven to Earth. Give us a little right. bit about how we brought that book together. Well, you mentioned that I did channeling, and I channeled last mm-hmm. year a particular session. And while that was going on, uh, Spirit told me that I was to put that information into a book. And lo and behold, very easily things fell together, and the process came together nicely, and now the book's available for everyone on Amazon.com or my blog. Or uh, if you go to YouTube, you'll see uh, how to contact me off Google. So. Uh, there's a lot of options there to connect. And, yeah, I really found that the information uh, that I received was to help release our ego so it doesn't influence our lives like it has in the past. We don't have to live off of and react from fear any longer, which is really a wonderful surprise and also a great gift. Wow, ego is a big thing. I want to, that's just not one of my questions, but when you said that, it just kind of resonated with me. So I want to stop there for a moment and talk about the problems that ego causes. I think a lot of people think about ego as this arrogant thing that that, uh, makes us, you know, puff our chest out. And I don't think that that's always the case. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, yes, I can. Originally, our ego was designed to protect us in third dimension. So it was like a periscope. I describe this in the book, in fact. It's like a periscope that comes up out of a submarine. And our inner essence is the submarine. And we poke up this little view to see how am I going to survive? How am I going to eat? How am I going to have a house? How am I going to provide for myself? And the ego is our essence and how 
our personality is to just be ourselves. But when you look out into the environment around us and you start to be fearful, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the fear starts running the show, and so we start thinking that we're in lack and we are limited and that we don't have enough or we're not good enough. And so we, this ego gets larger and larger trying to protect us. So as this book is about actually saying we can deflate that exaggerated, prideful, selfish part of the ego, thinking we need it to make it okay in our lives and come back into the reality that everything we have is actually within, the grace of God is within, or the spirit is within that supplies everything we need. So uh, we always have had everything necessary for our lives, and we don't have to feel that we're coming from lack or survival anymore. So the book shows us how we can reduce that influence and move out of that reacting victim mode and move into being the creator of our life with the spirit of love so we can respond nowadays with love to the situations and people in our lives and spread that spirit loving spirit and merging with each other in a unity and cooperation and and support for each other and that's a huge it does feel like heaven on earth that's a huge change in our consciousness and that's really what's going on as our consciousness is moving out of fear into love Wow. <clears throat> Just listening to you explain that in my head, I'm drawing a visual of that submarine, the scope just around, just to protect us. And I've never heard it put that way, that our ego is there to protect us, which that's a very positive way to put it. Um, and I like the way you put that. So I will definitely adopt that into my speaking uh, when we are talking about ego. Now, Let's get into your background. I want to talk about Marilyn Redmond before you became ordained and before you understood, hey, this is my calling and this is what I'm supposed to be doing for myself and for others. Where did you come from? What's your story? Well, I was raised in Seattle, Washington. I've always lived in the Pacific Coast area and uh, went to college in a local city, became a school teacher and in top and retired uh, after 30 years of teaching. I'm still teaching in spiritual classes, but not with the public schools. I did teach in junior college several years, metaphysical classes, and now I do still do that, but not in the colleges, but mostly uh, classes that I conduct. So I have been involved through the years in evolving from the fear that I describe in the book into sharing how we can all move into that loving experience on earth. I had a very traumatic childhood and uh, of domestic violence and abuse, and I had, had a 30-year marriage of domestic violence and abuse. And uh, learning that I didn't have to stay a victim, I took some classes and I in, in support groups, and I went to counseling and. I found out that I didn't have to volunteer to be a victim anymore. That was a huge surprise. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And you, you you say you don't have to volunteer to be a victim anymore. When did you – and what was the thing, the turning point that said, hey, you're volunteering for this? Because I'm sure as many of us feel, I don't have a choice in this. So when did you – when did your eyes open and say, I'm, I'm choosing to do this? Well, it was a gradual thing. I had several traumatic experiences. 
one, the, I guess one of the major ones is, well, my husband tried to kill me several times, and I tried suicide. My life was hopeless, helpless, and I didn't think there was any opportunity to do anything differently, and I had no tools because in those days I was emotionally three years old. And even though I'd gone to church all my life, I did not ever hear those things that I was, well, maybe a lot of people in church here because I was so terrified and traumatized that my ears were pretty much trying to protect me from being hurt more. So it wasn't until uh, when he really, I knew that night I wasn't going home alone, uh, home alive. We were in a car situation, and uh, he was driving like a maniac, and I just knew that that was going to be the, our demise. And um, I just, I never had prayed except out of a hymnal. Um, where the prayers were written, and all of a sudden I just started saying, God, please help me. I really don't want to die. And mm-hmm. that was the first time I ever spontaneously tried to even connect with a higher power uh, because I thought I was powerless. And uh, my life literally did start to change with that little prayer, and I found opportunities and answers I had no clue about prior. So. I know today when we connect with the love inside, it brings to us opportunities that we didn't even know were there, but the choice is to use that inner power and connect with it, mostly through meditation. We can hear the silent voice of guidance, or to stay where we are. We We can choose to stay in our misery, or we can choose to walk out of it. And at that point, it was kind of like the total surrender to say, I've done done it my way. Now I have to try a new way. Now, I don't want to seem like I'm pressing too much, but I got to ask. Okay, <laughs> you have a situation where you're physically not able to move right away, but you recognize I have a choice. I can choose to be here or not, and maybe this is being extreme, but if I choose not to be here, then I may be homeless or without food or without clothes or without a job or whatever that thing is that we're in or that situation that we're in that we feel trapped in, but then we realize I'm not trapped, but I I can just move. What do you recommend for a person in that situation? It's a physical thing. If I move right now, I'll be without. At least that's what my mind is telling me. Well, you know, our mind, that's our ego. Our mind tells us we will be without, but God always or higher power, love, however you choose to define that energy, that's always this are you know within us and within everything. The spirit is always there. I I found the hard way one night. I was actually living in my domestic violence for five years, trying to get out, like you described. And I one night got cornered by him in a room, very small room, and he was coming after me, and I was going to become mincemeat. Um, so. Somehow, time stood still, and the inner voice told me to start praying for him, and the bottom line was I was to say, God, forgive him, for he knows not what he does. God bless him. And I said that twice, and then I, and I was told I can leave the room now, and I said, you got to be kidding, uh, because I'd have to walk right by him, and it was a small room, and I didn't want to be that close to him. And uh, so the angels, that's when I had an angel experience. I've had several. Uh, the angels literally escorted me out of the room, and I was safe. And when I disco- discovered 
that I could pray and forgive him for he and literally I, he did not know and at the time I did not know he was a psychopath, alcoholic, sex addict and rageaholic. And I had married someone wow. just like myself to learn how to heal those things in my own energy. So as I started praying for him, he never touched me again. What I've st- I discovered is when I ask God to guide me and tell me what to do, I start listening to what's inside. I listen to my gut or my intuition, however you choose to call that. I do a lot of meditating for information. That's how I got into channeling. Um, so I discovered that I was listening outside to other people for advice, and that's why I was going down the tubes. Um, most huh. people are living in fear, which is another term of insanity form of insanity and I needed to listen to the truth the truth when knowing the truth will set you free the truth doesn't set us free but knowing it being conscious of it does and with the faith I had one day he finally did move out of the house I'd ask God to do that and I realized that even with the littlest amount of faith I had in those days it was like a mustard seed uh, literally the mountain had moved and I became convinced that Everything I need came from an inner source, and I just never had access and drew on it before. So that's the next book that will be coming out. shows us the actual process step-by-step of how to put that inner power into our lives so uh, we have productive lives instead of staying in that victim and reactive role. Wow, that's all I can say, for real. Um, you point, you said a couple of times we draw to us people that are like us, and you said that you, what your ex husband was was basically a mirror of you, and it was brought to heal you. I've heard that. I've never agreed with it. Explain it to me, because when I see behaviors of other people that are around me in my immediate circles, I'm thinking those are things I would never do or say to people. So. Help me understand that. I've heard it. It sounds great and quotable, but there are some things that are, peop- that are people around me, their behaviors, I, would, I don't think I would ever do. So I want to make that connection so I can begin to learn the lesson. Well, most people call that denial. The things in our lives that we don't like about ourselves, we deny and just try to look good and act just as nice as a person as we can be. But if we're going to be a whole person, we have to bring together all the splintered parts of our soul. And when we've had various experiences that have been traumatizing, those parts of us leave our soul, and we're a, that's part of why we're such a good victim. We're not totally there. We're usually emotionally stuck in a very lower age than we think we are. I found myself emotionally stuck at three years old when I started my growth into being a mature adult. And I had to literally grow up and realize that my consciousness, my energy, is what I'm seeing out there around me. It just takes the form of people. And so when I'm seeing somebody doing something that is difficult for me, such as my, just because we're talking about this and this is, you know, needs to be said, I loved your introduction about we're saying what the elephant in the living room is. What I Mm -hmm. found out was that I was sending out the energy, and that's what those people were acting out for me, that we've actually made agreements. Uh, If we believe that this is the only life, then some people do, uh, that limits my thinking. It's actually, actually have many lives that are part of our 
uh, growing and, and learning. And to, that's why I do past life regression, is when we see that things affect us that are not maybe right in front of our face, not just the people that are around us causing difficulty, but sometimes it's hard to say, oh, this is where it's coming from, and I don't have to mm-hmm. react. I can just now send love to that person and change that environment, and they'll change. My son came to Christmas dinner this time, for the first time in many years, he, of course, was raised in domestic violence, very angry and bitter about it. And so in my loving him, even though he can't love himself and sending that out, he changed enough that he was able to come to Christmas dinner. Um, my sister, half-sister, stole my inheritance when my mother died. She didn't do it legally. I had grounds to do something about it legally, but decided that that wasn't a smart thing because I didn't want to bring more problems back on myself, which most people call karma. So I started praying for her, sending her everything I wanted. I sent love and wealth and protection and all the, you know, what we would like for everybody. We, we want our prosperity and abundance in our lives. And she was feeling that was not there for her, so she stole mine. And we have started to become, through my changing me, uh, I'm sending out loving energy to her, we are starting to actually come together as sisters. So she was here for Christmas, too, which was a miracle. So you see, it's all about our energy. It's all about what energy are we sending out. In my book, there's two charts, and they're all about raising your consciousness from the fear and little by little going into a higher loving acceptance of what's going on in your life. When you joyously accept everything around you, you're in reality. And these people are actually volunteered to play these parts so that we could change our energy from fear to love and send out forgiveness, compassion, and gratitude, that they were willing to play those parts for us so we could change our energy and move into that loving person we were created as. So we don't have to continue playing out the old scenario over and over again. We can actually start a new um Reality, which comes into a loving experience. Wow. We're talking with the author Marilyn Redman. The book that we're um, talking about, as well as some, some additional questions, is The Real Meaning of 2012, A New Paradigm, Bringing Heaven to Earth. Marilyn, are you open to taking any callers? Oh, I sure am. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's take a break and see if we have anyone on the line that wants to speak with you, and we'll be right back. Thank you. California property values are currently high. If you own a home in California, it's the perfect time to sell. Are you an investor who wants to purchase property in California? Are you or someone you know wanting to relocate to California? Now is the time. Let Natasha help you. Visit her Facebook fan page at Natasha's World of Real Estate. Are you looking to spice up your life with something fun and exciting? Well, how about being surrounded by paparazzi and fans all cheering you on? Crowds on Demand will provide you with bodyguards, fans, and paparazzi as you go to the mall, go out on the town, attend a PTA meeting, or whatever other occasion you can imagine. Check it out at crowdsondemand.com. Hello. 
This is Jerry Adams, Mr. Brown Eyed Country Soul himself. And I rock with this needs to be said. Operator, won't you help me, please? Get my girl on the phone. I got some news that I must tell her. But she's out of my zone. Listen. Operator, check the number, please. Cause I know it's not wrong. I must have dialed it a thousand times. So won't you check the line? Get my girl on the phone 
Thank you so much for staying tuned to This Needs to Be Said. Miss um, Marilyn, I thought that we had someone on the line that had a question, but we did not um, have someone. Everybody's wanting to listen. They're, they're too scary to ask questions. I don't know why my people do that to me. But we well, talk, we I talk can about, understand. Um, it's not something I think you're amazing because it's not things that we normally talk about. But they do need to be said, and we're not comfortable saying it yet. I think that's part of it. Oh, uh, well, well, we're in the right place. Um, you said these people are volunteers in our lives to help us see ourselves. And maybe, and I'm, I'm going to put myself out there, maybe I've been looking at particular things that um, that I wouldn't do about that person overlooking what I should be looking at. Is that possible? Well, when we can see everybody is a child of God, everybody's created in love, and the experiences that are going on are just appearances because beyond the appearances is the truth of who they are, that they have a loving heart like we have. They're just acting out their life that needs to be handled in the way that they're they're just being themselves. And I overreacted in many cases so that I took it on personally. And so when we give up being so emotionally involved with what happened and how damaging it was to me, giving up all the uh, trauma and drama about it and seeing what is the lesson I can learn from this. And so often I found out in my sister's case uh, through a past life uh, awareness that what I had done to her several thousand years ago was definitely worse than her taking away my inheritance. I mean, I wouldn't have wished if I today this would not happen because our culture is different. But in those days, how people handled their lives and how people punished others and so forth was very, very drastic. You've seen movies of old, uh, more primitive times in history. And uh, so today we handle things in a more loving way. So sometimes we've been overreacting. Sometimes we've seen it as a threat to us when it really maybe wasn't. It was just really a lesson, and it really didn't have to have such a big impact as we made it. we Sometimes we enlarge things, exaggerate them, and don't just say that, oh, they're just being who they are, and I just didn't appreciate it, thank you. <laughs> so if we take, if you're saying, so if we take that approach, you know, basically handling everyone with love or they're just expressing themselves or just being accepting, accepting of other people, that's going to help us a whole lot. Um, I'm getting that from what you're saying because, Everyone may not be able to or willing to um, or even buy into the, the um, thought of there being past lives. I've joked about it, you know, gosh, you know, this must be someone else's life or, you know, in another life or, you know, what did I do in a past life that got me this? And I've joked about that, not really um, knowing but what, what you're just saying, you're saying there's something that happened, you know, thousands of years ago between you and your sister that made – what she did now taking the inheritance or in this lifetime, um, I guess, understandable. Without having that knowledge, without a person having that knowledge that something happened in a in a past life that um, merited the behavior that's happening to them now, um, are you saying for us to look at each person as, you know, be, be more acceptance towards those people is what I'm, I think I'm getting at? Right. When we accept each other that we're all in the same spiritual spirit. I mean, we're all we're all equals. We're all brothers and sisters in spirit. Nobody's better or worse than anybody else. And when we look past the 
obvious problems that have come up in our face and gone beyond, well, where is this coming from when we see the root cause of these situations? And this works in medical situations also. When you see the root cause of where did this stem from, then the illness no longer has symptoms. And in this case, when you understand what she did to me was actually I got off cheap and easier than what I did to her thousands of years ago, I walked away saying, by God, if she'd done to me what I did to her, I don't know if I'd ever be able to forgive. So, you see, we, we put these things out of proportion and out of perspective, and our perspective is so important because that creates our consciousness, and we can move into a higher state of joyful acceptance because I'm not perfect. I did my problems. were <laughs> I didn't do the nicest things in past lives. Or in some cases this life, I did not know staying in fear hurt others around me. It's like a, a, um, a dart you're sending at somebody. In fact, in domestic violence, what I've discovered is my staying a victim actually perpetuated the domestic violence. And he was trying to protect himself when I'm trying to protect myself, and that's basically attacking each other. As my counseling, mm-hmm. I under, understand this. So... You have to give up the game. Instead of hurting somebody else or sending out uh, negative anger towards them and whatever, when you start sending love, you stop the game and your life improves. You start moving into reality and seeing that, yes, I can actually change this situation into a healthier, happier one. I can take responsibility for my behavior and my thinking and my emotions, and I don't have to be a robot. I don't have to just automatically do the same things. I can literally change my life. This is, like, too deep. <laughs> I know it's I know it's simple once you understand it, but this is so deep because as you're, t- I'm like, people are flashing across my head, and I'm going, does she mean it for that person? Does she mean it for that person? What about this situation? And then, of course, I want to know, what did you do to your sister in a thousand years, thousands of years ago? I have to know. Well, I'll tell you. She doesn't know this, and I doubt she'd ever listen to this. But uh, several thousand years ago, I, was, had a, I wasn't a woman. I was a man, and I had a harem. And she was in my harem, but she kept running away. So I had her legs cut off, and she was pulled around on a little cart with wheels. So you can see that would leave a very devastating scar on our energy. Wow. See, now in today's environment, somebody that, you know, if they ran away, I mean, you don't own people today in the first place, hopefully. And if they try to run away, you know, like children run away, we call the police to come, you know, find our child or whatever. So when she ran away, and kept running away. That's how you handled it in cultural times 2,000 years ago to stop that from happening because she was my property in those days. Well, today we don't have property as of other people, especially in the United States, hopefully. Um, but, you know, when you understand those were culturally different times and that's how ha- people handled those situations in that kind of framework, and, and hopefully today, you know, we aren't going around cutting people's legs off and owning people and, you know, trying to keep them as in your domain. So, you know, today life is a little more civilized, I'd hope to say, and we don't have to keep recreating the energy from that old situation. We can let it go, let it d- dissipate in love and sending love to her and, 
and realizing I don't have to be guilty the rest of my life because of it. Those were situations that were necessary for me to change my energy, for me to change into a different person, a better person, and not to recreate those over and over in my life. So today I'm very cautious about being a caring and concerned person rather than a harmful person. I try to do no harm today. So, see, it has changed me. Wow. Okay, I did have someone inbox me, and they wanted to know, is this what you would call reincarnation? Yes. People call it reincarnation. Our soul has many, many memories. If you move out of third dimension, there there is no time and space. It's all one. That's living in the now. And that's what the book is really telling us, and my next book is about moving into that fifth dimension. And we wouldn't normally call it reincarnation, but that's the term that society uses for it. Our soul keeps reenacting back on earth the lessons that are still needed to be learned. Um, There are Bible verses that were taken out of the Bible. You say it needs to be said. Bible verses were eliminated from the Bible that referred to reincarnation. However, there still are a few left that people don't understand that's what they're talking about. So, um, mm-hmm. and so we have, we keep, our spirit keeps coming back to be cleansed for our souls to be purified. And as we move into this loving, ex- joyful acceptance that all of this happened for us to be back in spirit, one with God, and that's, we were created in, the, in that loving spirit. And that's we're cleaning out everything that isn't loving. So to joyfully accept we're moving back into the place we really truly want to return, which is our spiritual home. Wow. I have one last question for you. We're talking with author Marilyn Redman. She's the author of A New Paradigm, Bringing Heaven to Earth. And let me, you know what, that's the name, that's what I titled the show. I took a piece of your book. The book is called The Real Meaning of 2012, A New Paradigm, Bringing Heaven to Earth. Marilyn, where can we pick up a copy of your book? Well, I'm glad you asked. My copy of my books are available on Amazon.com, my website, AngelicasGifts.com. My blog is MarilynRedmond.blogspot.com. And if you can't remember any of those, just put my name into Google, and you'll find a lot of YouTubes and places. And if people want to contact me, Marilyn at AngelicasGifts.com, I'm eager to answer questions. There's been a lot of misinformation over the last many thousands of years about spirituality, and I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about changing our spiritual knowledge into the truth of who we are. So when we've been finally told that we are spiritual beings and we're loved in God's grace, and he supplies for us. You know, this is the message that we are loved and always have been, and we don't have to stay down in the depths of despair. And we can rise out of it just like uh, we've been, this is what Jesus uh, was actually demonstrating in the, in the uh, Easter resurrection, is we, ourselves, we can rise out of the ego and, and live in spiritual joy. And that's what we're about. And so... Yeah, Amazon.com is the best place to go, but the other places are options, too. All right. Here's my last question for you. Do you believe that we bring on illnesses from our emotions? Yes, exactly, and medicine doesn't address this. 
they always treat the symptom and not the root cause. And with my past life regression, I've also started regressing the human consciousness into where did this begin in your life? What was the incident or the trauma? And that your body is out of harmony with the universe. So when we discovered that we actually have had a situation that put us out of harmony in the love, we don't have the loving spirit of harmony and balance in our life, we're going to get sick. And so illness is really a direct result of our emotions, and it can come from all kinds of experiences. And it's really our body telling us that we need, we have some kind of fearful experience. We need to send love and joy to it and forgiveness, gratitude, unconditional love, um, and appreciate that this is t- our body is trying to go back into being a healthy uh, unity, you know, a, a healthy object that we can enjoy, that our spirit's in that v- vessel and that we want a healthy vessel. I have wow. helped people... I've helped people, actually, We in the forthcoming book, I have actual stories of people that have done this. One lady was told by a doctor she had a death situation, and she's still walking around very happy. You do not have to die over our emotions. Wow, that, that is, that's powerful, and I'm sure quite controversial uh, for people to hear that, especially if that's something that they've known, and this thing that I have is, and it runs in our family. Marilyn, we're going to have to have you um, come back on and share time with us another time, and I have your information so I can reach back out to you. Um, I want to thank you for being here today and opening my eyes um, to a different way of looking at things, saying what needs to be said, and exposing this elephant in the room, because it is something that people kind of shy away from, and I'm glad that you said this is not about religion. It's about us being spiritual beings, which that's a part of us that we don't, we either are not aware of or we just don't address it and we don't take care of it. So thank you so much for being here and sharing yourself with us on today. We're going to have to have you back, okay? I'd love to be back. Yes, we're spiritual beings releasing our human faults and, and difficulties. All right, thank you, and until next time. Well, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it thoroughly, and have a good day. You too. What a way to get your weekend started by giving you some pointers on how to awaken yourself. Did you enjoy that interview with Ms. Marilyn Redmond? I know I did. You know, I always ask a question that I have when I'm talking with the person and it comes up. We're going to take a short break, and I have another special guest that's going to come and join us in just a moment. Ms. Michelle A. Wilson-Green is an inspirational author, award-winning educator, and an empowerment speaker. So you don't go anywhere. You sit tight. We have we, we have some great things happening on today. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm enjoying this. this. I enjoy all of my interviews, but I'm really enjoying it today. And thank you for everyone who's participating in our five-minute campaign. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tune in for five minutes of any part of this needs to be said. And if you don't think the show is great, tell them anyway because bad news travels fast. You know, if you say, oh, the show sucks, people are going to tune in because they want to hear how bad it sucks. So anyway, tell people to tune in. Give us five minutes of their time, and we thank you for that in advance. Royal Destiny Salon and Spa, where you are royalty. 
specializing in children's hair, natural, weaved, and relaxed hair. Looking for a professional stylist who cares not only about how good hair looks, but also how healthy it feels? Then Royal Destiny Salon and Spa is the place for you. Royal Destiny Salon and Spa, located at 4936 Albemarle Road, Suite 14, Charlotte, North Carolina. Call today to schedule your appointment for a more beautiful you. 724-734-8043. That number again is 724-734-8043. This is Jay Nicole, and when I need to hear what needs to be said, I just tune into This Needs to Be Said.
All right, it's me. <laughs> Let me try this one more time. All right, me and my microphone. I tell you, it's me and my microphone. But you know what? I'm going to just start right here. Author Michelle Green, she's joining us right now. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. How are you, Catherine? I'm wonderful. I'm going to do some more of your intro where everybody can hear me because I closed my microphone. I don't know what happened okay. there. All right. Me and my clumsy fingers here. So anyway, Ms. Michelle Green, she's an inspirational author, award-winning educator, and empowerment speaker. She began writing while working as a school principal in South Carolina, known for the powerful message of inspiration and self-improvement. Her debut novel, Anything Can Happen, has garnered her national attention and has been recognized by notable programs, including the NAACP Martin Luther King Day Program and the annual Christian Women's Fellowship Conference. Michelle's hardships and adversities formed the basis of Anything Can Happen and inspired her to form By Faith Empowerment Group, LLC, an organization whose focus is to bring about change in the laws of domestic violence with the primary focus on teen couples as well as gun control in the state of South Carolina. I'm going to stop right there, and we're just going to begin our conversation with Ms. Green as she's going to be in Charlotte at the Last Word Bookstore on tomorrow for a book signing. So welcome to This Needs to Be Said. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Tell us, I, I did, I read some of your bio there, but tell us about you. Like, how did this book, Anything Can Happen, how did that come about? What made you say, okay, I have a book in me and I need to get it out and it's going to make a difference? And I asked that question, let me preface it by saying this, I asked that question because so many people put books out that really don't take them anywhere, really doesn't take me, the reader, anywhere, doesn't add value to other people, but they wrote a book. So this doesn't sound like that that situation. It sounds like something that's quite powerful. What made you move into action when you're up against so many books that kind of are frivolous? It's like, you know, reality TV, junk TV versus quality TV, quality book versus junk books. What made you go ahead and step out there? Okay, well, you know, I, I I understand exactly what you're saying. And, you know, I think about one of my favorite quotes. It's by Elsie Robinson, and he says, things may happen around us, things may happen to us, but nothing compares to things that happen in us. And I use that to preference why I wrote Anything Can Happen. During a period of my life, um, Catherine, I hit a downward spiral, um, that spiral included within a very short period of time me losing both of my parents, my husband, my best friend, and what culminated happening to me was the loss of my son. My son, after serving a tour of duty in Iraq, he came home and he was fine, and at the age of 21 he was murdered. And that's when I really felt that my life was on a downward spiral. So my book, Anything wow. Can Happen, not only tells about what happened to me because I, I didn't want the book just to give what happened to me, but it shows how I got out of that sadness and that dreariness that I was dealing with. So the book tells you that there's nothing in life that can happen to you that you can't come back from. And that's powerful because I, I'm a mother myself, and I've had friends that have lost children at different ages, and I can only imagine. So my heart goes out in that in that respect. But then the strength that you all come back with is what just 
makes me, it just floors me. I don't know. I don't know, but you're saying that you can come back from anything. I mean, we think about the loss They're of a exactly. parent. We think about a loss of, you know, someone who's aging, and it's to be expected, but you never want to lose someone but then your your baby. I don't care how old they are. Exactly right. Baby. You know, so many times when I speak to audiences, I explain to them how, you know, there is not a name that's given for losing your child. If you lose both of your parents, then you're considered an orphan. If you lose your spouse, then you're considered a widow. But there is not a name because it goes against nature. You're not supposed to bury your child. And it's really sad in this day and time that our generation is experiencing that so much because our children are killing each other. And and this was such a drastic thing for me. And so my book goes through the process of how I went from despair to healing. And when I got to healing, that wasn't enough. And I pressed my way and I worked towards wholeness. And my book goes through each process of what I did. And, you know, it is amazing because before my book was ever published, before it ever was in print, it had already sold 450 copies. Wow. That was before it was in print. And at this point, I'm right at 1,100 copies, and it has really, really done well. And, you know, I, I retired as a principal, and now I'm able to really travel to other cities and promote my book, and it's really starting with Charlotte on tomorrow. All right. That's what's up. <laughs> yes, yes. It's really starting with Charlotte, Charlotte on tomorrow. But um, it, it goes through the process. You know, so many times um, we look at our losses at just being death, but I had other losses too. You know, losing, I, I felt that I lost my husband twice, First, the infidelity, and then to death. And that was really hard because he died before we were able to really resolve the issues that was going on in our marriage. And I lost him before we could get that together, and that was devastating. And then to lose my son so soon after, I really was on a downward spiral. Mm. I, I can only imagine. I would, I would be, I'm thinking right now that's just not fair. No closure. This happening. Just ew, you know. So exactly. I know there was so many times. About, yeah, I know that there's a book mm-hmm. about the healing and what the process that you're going through, and not necessarily like you said, you didn't put in, you know, just what happened to you, but the process, the healing, and and the lesson, the blessings that came afterwards. But at that moment, can I ask you, like, what was it like? Like, what were your thoughts? So much is happening so fast. It wasn't a why me. What was, tell me about what was going on with you at the onset well, you of know all what? I, I Yes, I did deal with a lot of why me. Um, I am a very, very strong Christian. But during this period of time, I questioned the works of God. I did not question God, but I questioned his works. I could not understand exactly what was going on in my life. And it really took a lot of time and a lot of resolve to get to that point. I could not understand. And there were a lot of ministers who came to visit me that did not want to did not know exactly what to say. But I can remember one that came to me and said, "Your experiences are of a modern day Job." And I know you've heard the story about Job in the Bible. 
Uh-huh. And that's what it appeared to be like it was a story of the modern day um, Job of what I was going through. Because they all were happening before I could heal from one, something else was happening. But what is so important about my book is that at the end of every chapter, it tells the lessons learned in that chapter. It tells the lessons that I learned in that chapter to help build me to wholeness. And I think that is probably the most powerful piece. I've had so many people who have read the book who have called me, who have emailed me, and they told me the lessons learned at the end of the chapter was something that they could hold on to to apply to their own life and living. And and I think that I, I don't know when you sat down to write it if your thoughts were, I hope this person is able to get something from it. I don't know about that part, but I think that if nothing else, that is a that lets you know that this was not all for naught. You know? Exactly. You 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 are so right. It wasn't all for naught. You know, although the losses that I experienced were great, but it has allowed me to touch so many lives. And for example, since retiring I'm now on the speaker circuit for the Department of Corrections in um, South Carolina. And I've been traveling throughout the state of South Carolina talking to inmates about the impact that their crime has on victims, or should I say survivors. And it has really been powerful to stand before hundreds of inmates and tell my story and let them know that their actions affect so many people, not just the the one individual that was affected by their crimes, but so many other individuals are affected. So the book and just exactly what I'm doing now has touched and continues to touch so many lives. So I consider it that now I'm addressing my calling all before I did my career, but now I'm doing my calling. Now, what do the the inmates say to you when you're revealing to them, listen, you you thought that you just, you know, affected this person, but it's affected so many more. What do they say to that? Well, you know, it's, it is really amazing of the questions and comments that I get from the inmates because also I talk to them about forgiveness and how I had to get to the point in my life that I was able to forgive the two fellas that killed my son. And they have asked me questions, and and these are some who will be getting out of prison, I would say, within the next five to ten years. And they have asked questions as to, you know, if if the fellow that killed my son, if I was to see him on the street, how would I feel or what would I do? Those are some of the questions. And And I've explained to them that sometimes you can't go back to the area that you committed the crime. Sometimes you can't go back home, that you have to start a new life for yourself. But in starting that new life for yourself, there has to be a change in your life. But it is Uh really amazing the questions that they ask. I've had so many of them to say um, that night that the incident happened, it, it wasn't supposed to happen, and now I'm paying 15 years for it. And that gives me the opportunity to talk to them about making good choices and being in the right place 
at all times. Uh-huh. Now, you want to focus or you are focusing on teen couples. Why? Well, the reason for that, my, my son was killed by a friend of his ex-boyfriend. Um, This girl, she had broken up with her boyfriend, and he was still coming around. He was still bothering her. And I am talking about um, 18- and 19-year-olds. And Uh that particular night, she called for help because he wouldn't leave. And my son and one of his friends went over to get her, and that's what brought on what happened. And it did not happen at her apartment. The um the fella waited about two hours and then came over to my son's apartment because he was determined that he wanted her with him. Do you understand what oh, I'm wow. saying? Wow. And so wow. and we are talking about teen couples. So at this time, at the time of the murder, the individual that killed my son was nineteen years old and it was over his eighteen year old girlfriend. Wow. And and I feel that there is a lot of domestic teenage domestic violence going on. Because this was the culmination of lots of abuse by him. So even as an t- unmarried teenager, she was experiencing a lot of problems with him as a teenager. And so that is something I think that really needs to be addressed, too. We do have a lot of teenage domestic violence. Uh-huh. We do. We do. And Yes. Even when I was in junior high school, one of my friends had a boyfriend that manhandled her or beat her up, and you didn't see oh, yes. it. Yes. She talked to us about it. You may have saw the results of it. But as kids, you you don't think, well, you know, we, we all play around, we play fight, or, you know, maybe we're being more dramatic than, or, or may, you know, you're just hoping that it, really you're helpless, you think. Like, what can I do? I I don't know. Like, you know, stop letting him do that to you. You don't really know what to do or you misjudge the severity of it. But it's been happening a long time. And you're in junior high school. And, of course, as adults now, we know that, okay, you're kids. But in junior high school, you're in this relationship and you think this is your forever. So That's right. Exactly. You cling on to these things, you know, anything worth having is worth fighting for. And literally, we take it literally. We take and it literally, exactly. And then what happens? Yeah, and what happens so many times? Are th- these young girls, some of them don't feel that anybody else will love them, so they hold on to somebody who's battering them. Uh-huh. And it's really, really sad because they have their whole life ahead of them. And you know, here we're talking about an eighteen-year-old and a nineteen-year-old, and he—I guess—he was just so much in love, and through all of that. My son lost his life. Wow. Let's stop right there for a moment, and we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back. You're going to be in Charlotte tomorrow at the Last Word Bookstore, and tell us the name of your book and where people can pick up a copy if they want to, if they're not going to happen to be in the Charlotte area to meet you, and then we'll go to a break. Okay. The name of my book is Anything Can Happen. Tomorrow I'll be doing a book signing from 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock at the Last Word which is located on 230 East W.T. Harris Boulevard, and that's in Charlotte, North Carolina. And if you can't come out, my book can be ordered off of Amazon and also my website. My website is 
www.michellebyfaith.com. All right.
Thank you so much for staying tuned to This Needs to Be Said. We're talking with author Miss Michelle Green. She's the author of Anything Can Happen. And, Michelle, we have a caller on the line that has a question or comment for you. Annette, thank you for calling in to This Needs to Be Said. What's your question or comment for Miss Green? Hi, first of all, hello, Miss Green. How are you? Hi there. How are you doing today, Annette? I'm doing well. Um, Great. Just two comments. Uh, I live on Investigative Discovery Station, and uh-huh. they have what is now called breakup murders. And it's these teenagers who, similar to what you're talking about, but now they're actually giving it a name, and it's called, you know, breakup murders. And they were showing where, you know, it's mostly the woman, the girl, teenager. When she decides okay. she doesn't want to be in the relationship anymore, it's right. Well, no, I'm not saying it right. Domestic abuse, but it's being prevalent now as being called teenage breakup, and there's been a lot of violence now in that area, focusing on high school. And, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I had not heard that name before. This is very interesting. It is called breakup murders. Mm-hmm. Breakup okay. murders. And it's within the teenagers. And, you know, they know that, you know, grown-ups do that, but now you're starting to see it more now happening with teenagers. When the teenagers, you know, they can't take, uh, I mean, and it's violent. It's not like what I've seen on television. It's never like they just shoot them. It's just Mm -hmm. like anger. I mean, the things that they do, that's how they can tell, like, the person was really enraged by how yes. the person was killed. So, yes. and they they said, you know, this is definitely emotional killing. Oh, yeah, and it is. They it's... have called it um, breakup murders. And okay, you know, I'm going to have to do some research on that. Mm-hmm. They call yeah, it, and might, you know what? What know you just crazy. said, what you just said, made, makes a whole lot of sense because I'm going to tell you what. When my son was murdered, okay. Um, mm-hmm. They had gotten back to my son's apartment. My nephew was also there. He was he did not go over to get this girl, but he was also there. And they brought the girl back to my son's apartment. And and I'm told that they saw a light drive around the back of the apartment and my son said, "I bet that's Curtis out there." When mm-hmm. they walked out there, Curtis had went and got his brother. Mm-hmm. And just to show you the anger that was there, when they walked out he reached into his his brother was sitting in the car and he mm-hmm. reached into his um in his shirt and he pulled out a gun and my son my nephew and my son's friend they turned to run the fellow that mm-hmm. was sitting in the car ran over my son's friend um ran Whoa. his body up into the wall of the building okay broke both of the um femur bones in his legs Mm-hmm. My nephew and my son ran into the house. My my nephew had made it into the house, and he said when he got in, he turned around, and Isaac, that's my son's name, was not there. And mm-hmm. so he went back out, and this fella had shot Isaac and was stomping his body. Mm. And when he went wow. to, when my nephew went to pull this boy off of my son, he said that's when he saw through the corner of his right eye, 
something move, and it was the brother with a gun, and he shot my nephew eight times. Mm-hmm. My nephew is now a paraplegic. He survived, but he's in the wheelchair for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when you said it's the way they do it with the anger, I can definitely attest to that. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, wow. so they I can were definitely attest. Yeah, they were, <clears throat> excuse me, I said they're starting to see more of that. Even though grown-ups do it, but now you're starting to see break up, you get another boyfriend, it's starting to be more, I'm going to kill you if you break up with me. Exactly. And the murders are very, very brutal. The exactly. other thing, excuse me, the other thing that I was going to mention is there was a killing here in Philly, I don't know how many years it was, but a stray bullet hit this little girl, and she must have been nine, and she was never going to walk again. So at the sentencing, you, you're, I don't know what they call it, but you're allowed to say something to the person yeah, that has yeah. been found guilty. The little right. girl, she came in in her wheelchair, and wow. she looked him in the face and said, I just want you to know I forgive you. Yes. I forgive yes. you, though I won't be able to dance at my time. I forgive you for not being able to run up and down the streets with my friends. And, I mean, she just went down the list wow. very nicely, and I forgive you for not being able. And she just went through this whole thing. The guy cried like a baby. Wow. Yeah. He just wow. cried like a baby. And the thing, and, is, and the thing I, about it is nothing can change. You know, they, the fellas said at, sen- at the sentencing, I also spoke, and my two younger children spoke. And mm-hmm. when they were given an opportunity, because they both were found guilty, and when they had an opportunity to speak, they both apologized and said it wasn't supposed to happen that way. But one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm working with young people and when I talk to the inmates about, that we need to think. They need to stop and take the opportunity just to think. You know, he mm-hmm. went over to my son's apartment. It was after 12 o'clock that night. Yeah. And so many times I think some of the things that happen is just that passion, that that, that anger, passion, as they would just take some time to think. It would not mm-hmm. be that way. Mm-hmm. And what, what really hurt me more than anything, although they still got um, convicted, but mm-hmm. when the trial started, the attorneys, the solicitor who represented my son, um, our side of the case, and the defense attorneys agreed not to bring anything into the case about the domestic violence. That I could not mm-hmm. understand. Mm-hmm. They, so mm-hmm. nothing was said of how this girl was getting beat, um, why she called for help that day, I, and they agreed not to do it. And so many times oh, in court, these things are handled and see, and this was agreed before the jury was there. So the jury never knew anything about domestic violence. And I'm in wow. the process now of writing the second part of my book, the solicitor's office in South Carolina, in Lexington County of South Carolina, have supported book one. And they gave me the entire transcript, which was something that could have been sold for about $2,800. It was given mm-hmm. to me to support book two. So what I'm doing in book two, I'm writing about the trial, you know, how it feels to sit behind a solicitor 
and to the list, listen to the defense attorneys discredit your child. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to realize that these attorneys, it's not who's right or wrong, it's who you work for. If I exactly. work for the defendant, it's my job to get them off. Mm-hmm. That is something that I had to learn. That that was a hard lesson. But um, so I'm in process of writing the second book of of what it's like to go through that trial, how they bargain. You know, we're not we're not going to bring up anything about domestic violence. And mm-hmm. I felt that would have made the world of difference in the case. But when that was decided upon and the judge ruled for it, that was it. Wow. Wow. So did they say never, why they never wouldn't bring up? up? Did they the say why they wouldn't bring it up? Oh. They they didn't say. And you know, I and it's amazing because you you sit there and the only person that you really can communicate with during the trial who works for the solicitor's office is the victim's advocate. And I asked her about it and she said, you know, she said, Michelle, this this is just what they do, and they decided that before the case ever started. So we went through that entire week so afraid that that point left out was going to make a difference. But the fellow that killed my son, he was um, convicted of voluntary manslaughter, and he got 35 years, and um, the, the fellow who shot my nephew got 20 years. But we still will never know. If the point of teenage domestic violence was brought into, you know, into into the the hearing and mm-hmm. the testimony, if it would have made a difference between voluntary manslaughter and murder, we'll never know. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. The last thing I just wow. want to say real quick is, um, they're they they don't like you said they don't think first, and I'm like always glued to these police shows and. The one thing that stuck out in my mind, and even the police officer said it, this guy was about 20 years old. He was mm-hmm. riding a bike, broad daylight. Okay. He finds this guy, I guess, that he knows, and he shoots him down in the ground. You know, shoots him. He's dead on the street. Everybody sees it. He gets locked up. And the police officer said, why, why would you do that in front of all of these people? And you know what mm-hmm. his response was? What was he it? Only fifty dollars, and a cop on twenty-five years is so sad. No, it is so sad. And you know what? I have heard so many of them say, as I go to the prisons, "Well, he disrespect me," mm-hmm. and it, it seems to me that the word yeah. disrespect among our young people just has such a different meaning because they look at if somebody disrespects them, they look at, some, at that some, as something to take them out as murder. I've had yeah. so many to say, he disrespected me. And so many times they're not respecting themselves. Mm-hmm. And so it's, right it's really a sad, it's a sad situation. And, you know, I, I went to a prison on this past Tuesday, and it was about, it was over 100 inmates there. And... I think I had their attention. You could hear a pin drop. And I had one of the officers to tell me and the warden that they had never had that auditorium so quiet. Because I told them my story, and and this this prison, a lot of them will get out again. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like a lot of them that are in there for um, have life sentencing. And I talk to them about making a difference in their mm-hmm. lives. And I let them know there's nothing that can happen to you in life that you can't come back from. Mm-hmm. But there has to be a change. Absolutely. It has to be a shift. Yes, it has to be a shift. And, and um, I am, I, yes, I am willing, you know, I have told the um the solicitor's office that I'm willing to travel all over the state and it's something that I do for free. I don't get paid for, I don't get gas or anything, but if it can make a difference, then my son's life won't be in vain. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And the next wild. the next part of what I'm working on is to go into the high schools and especially being an ex principal, I was a principal for sixteen years at one school. So I have pretty good contact in the state of South Carolina, and and I am going to work with the schools in talking to some of these teenage girls and boys about relationships and how relationships should be taken at that level. Wow. And I want to tell you thank you so much for um, all of what you brought up and I think that this is going to help you, Ms. Green, with even some more research. And I yes, see a yes, bigger project will. I really, happening really. here. I really, really. I was listening to you too, like I'm listening to the radio. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, I, but I'm Miss Annette, I, and I wish Miss <laughs> Annette would. Um, I could get in contact with her because the information that she just gave me is awesome. It is yeah. really awesome. Well, I think it's going to help me as I. Line. Okay. I'm have her hold the line, and then I'm going to let you guys connect. Once we wrap up your interview, so Annette, don't hang up, okay? Okay. All right. So I'm going to place her on hold, and we're going to finish up okay. with your interview. We're talking with Miss Michelle Green, and she's the author of Anything Can Happen. She's going to be here in Charlotte, North Carolina, at the Last Word Bookstore. Um, and give me a second, because I've just put it on my personal page and shared it on the TNTBS talk show fan page as well, the flyer for tomorrow's event. It's going to be from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. at 2.30 East W.T. Harris Boulevard, Suite 11, here in Charlotte. 28262 is the zip code, and you can go and meet with her, talk with her, hear more about her story, find out ways that you can connect with her. If you have places that you think that she can come and speak, churches, schools, um, women conferences, you can definitely connect with her. And her PR team is I'm going to say it Is it EPI or Epi Media Group? EPI, EPI Media Group, yes. They're awesome. Okay, EPI I'm going to Media make Group. it into a word. All right, EPIMediaGroup.com. I was going to say Epi. Yes. <laughs> you, yes. You'll get to it there, and you'll see all the information on my TNTBS talk show fan page so that you can get directly to her team, and they can make sure that you guys get connected Maybe she can come to a bookstore or a library near you if you're not in the Charlotte area. Your story opens up the door for so many things. I'm a mother of three boys, and yes. a lot of mothers raise their boys not to hit girls. I raise children not to hit each other. So if everybody keeps their right. hands to themselves, nobody has to worry about anybody doing anything inappropriate to them. And my children... Um, they've been successful in dating and in life when they follow that principle. Everybody keep your hands to yourselves. And you you guys were right. If we stop and we think, and even as adults, if we stop and we think, we will not become 
so violent. There are times we're so angry and we rage and we want to punch things or someone, but if we go and cool off, we come back, we're in a better position. And who wants such a temporary decision to alter your life for 30, 20 35 or 30 years. And you think, you know, know. exactly. And when this happened, this this fellow was only 19. So you look at 35 years of his life where he could have just went home and went to bed. Yeah. It's really sad. It's really sad. So we we have to work with our children and teach them to think. And that is a part Mm -hmm. of my mission. You know, I retired um, from the principalship, making a very, very good salary to get a retirement salary and to now address my calling. My career part is over now. I, I want to address my calling, and this is it. So like you said, uh-huh. if anybody would like for me to come to church programs, um, I've done a lot of women's conferences or anything of that nature, I'm willing to come. All right. Thank you so much for being a part of This Needs to Be Said. Um, safe travels as you are going on this journey. I don't know if you're already in Charlotte or not, but traveling safe as you get here Thank and you go so to much. your next stop. Um, I just wish that there's not not wish wish so kind of fleeting, but I know mm-hmm. that there's going to be so many blessings along the way, so many people that you're going to really empower along the way. There are people like yourself, who have lost their children for whatever reason, whether it's through violence or natural causes, that even in that, there's, you know, the support that can be there um, for the loss of a child that I I won't understand. I can empathize, but I can never say I understand. I won't even try to, you know. Exactly. I won't even try to say that because I don't know. I don't know that pain. I can empathize with you, but this, this is such a tremendous story that it moves me, that there's so many stories in what you're saying. Yes, of course, with the violence and the dating. Um, yes, about gun control. Yes, about the loss of a child. But then there's this healing and um, exactly. coming together. There's a guy that's here in Charlotte, and his son, I, I want to connect you with him as well. His son was murdered. Okay. And once okay. he was able to go and speak to the young man, he was able to tell him that he'd forgiven him. And I was thinking, you know, not only can I not fathom losing a child, I can't imagine ever forgiving. Well, well, and I know yeah, that well, there's you know, healing it's, it's in amazing. it. But... Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing that you said that, and I know we're getting close to the end of the interview, but I have contacted, um, well, through the Victims Advocacy Program that I'm working with with speaking, I have also um, requested to go to the prison and talk to both inmates. The only thing is, is in South Carolina, they don't have a dialogue program between um, victims and the inmates at this time, but it's something that is a work in progress. Because I don't feel that my circle will be complete until I get to sit across the table and talk to both of these boys. And I'm not saying, because I realize that in forgiving them, it's not condoning that what they did was right. But uh-huh. what it does, it releases me. It releases uh-huh. me. And I've even told them that if a dialogue program doesn't come into play soon, that I will write a letter to them, and they told me that they would be able to, you know, to give that to them. But my ultimate goal is to be able to sit across the table 
from these boys and have a conversation with them and let them know that I do forgive them. That's powerful. I, I understand that there's power and healing and forgiveness. I just don't know that I can do it. So for those of you who are in that situation and the thoughts are even there to do it, although the program is not yet in place, and I'm believing that it will, that an opportunity will be there for you to be able to do that. Um, I, I just I commend you because that that's really that's a really tough thing. But you've written a book about it. You're going around speaking because there's other people out there that may have gone through this and suffered in silence and didn't feel like they had you know any voice, or that maybe they chopped it up to you know wrong place, wrong time, and there's no more to it. And there's so much right. more to it. And yes, we're built for relationship. We're built one another, be our brothers and sisters keepers. Yes, self-preservation. I want to take care of me first. And some of us get too wrapped up in that self that we don't think that there's anything else out here, um, exactly. how our life can change. or You know, I don't, I don't know that you saw your life taking this type of turn. I can't say that I, I would believe you if you told me that you did. Um, but look where you are, look at what you're able to do, and you're going to be able to ignite in some other parents who are going through this, other guardians that are going through this in some shape or or another, whether they're the guardians of the the ones that would would have been the parents of the ones that killed your son, you know, because there's a story in that too. So there's There's so much such a ripple effect. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, I've made it a point in this area when I hear of anybody who loses a child to murder, I make it a point to go to that family. And I take one of my books, and and normally I don't stay long. I just tell them, if I made it, you can make it too. And I tell them, look at me, I'm here. Because when you lose a child, you really feel like a part of you is, is gone, you know, because we are bereaved parents at that point. And the word bereaved means literally torn apart. And, and I go to wow. these families because I, I, especially the mother, I want them to look at me and to see that I, I don't look like what I've gone through and that if I can uh-huh. make it, you can make it too. And, and I have given away so many books to these families because I want, to use it as an encouraging piece that, yes, anything can happen in life, but there's nothing that can happen that you can't come back from, even the murder of a child. That's a powerful way to end this. So tomorrow, Last Words Bookstore here in Charlotte at W.T. Harris Boulevard. They can come out and they can hang out with you. It's the only location of the Last Words Bookstore that we have here so they'll be able to find you and connect with you. Hold the line because I want to connect you and Annette before you get out of here, okay? Okay, great. And thank you so much for the opportunity. You're absolutely welcome. My pleasure. I'm Darren Marlar, and this is your daily dose of weird news. Police in Ohio say a Michigan man who drove away from a traffic stop, smashed through a gate, and landed right in a prison parking lot. Officers arrested the man after he drove around the outside of the Toledo Correctional Institution and then back into the parking lot. No, you jerk. This lot is for employees only. Parking for criminals is over there. 
A woman spent several days and nights earlier this month living at a Michigan Walmart. The 45-year-old woman who moved into the Walmart in Grand Blanc Township on January 6th had been living with her son, but he reportedly got kicked out because of an alleged drinking problem. Well, she was able to blend in with other customers for the first couple of days, and at night, she'd go into the bathroom and sleep. Well, on January 8, store managers were looking at surveillance video, and they noticed the woman had been there for two days. They tried to get the woman to leave several times before finally calling the police. But when they arrived, police still couldn't identify which weird person at Walmart they were supposed to apprehend. Because there are a lot of them. Pope Francis said en route to the Philippines that killing in the name of God is wrong. But it is also wrong to provoke people by belittling their religion. He said one cannot make war or kill in the name of one's own religion. But while His Holiness generally spoke in support of freedom of expression, he also said that such freedom must have its limits. He explained that if a friend says a swear word against my mother, then a punch awaits him. And as a believer in Jesus, well, he also fully expects the punchee to turn his cheek so the Pope can punch the other one. The big talk about American Sniper is the fake plastic baby. Hey, don't laugh. That baby just signed a deal to be the next relative kidnapped in a Liam Neeson movie. A woman in China stopped her car on the side of the road and got out to get a breath of fresh air. Well, she's now wishing that she wouldn't have stopped, or at least stopped a mile sooner, after a large tire came off a truck, rolled down the highway, and hit her. She suffered several fractured bones, but she will recover. Police said the truck driver was unaware the tire was missing when they contacted him three hours later. You know what? I think maybe we have found the premise of a new Fox TV special, when inanimate objects attack. Using data from the Centers for Disease Control, Fargo has been named America's drunkest city by Bustle.com. Well, you know, it is Fargo. I mean, what else is there to do there? The website Ship Your Enemies Glitter, it claims that it'll send so much glitter in an envelope that the recipient will be finding that stuff everywhere for weeks. The company says they act as a middleman in a passive-aggressive assault on anybody the sender hates who hates glitter. Their service costs about $8. The service is run by a bunch of dancers who thought it'd be a convenient way to dispose of their used nightly wardrobes. That's your daily dose of weird news. I'm Darren Marlar. You can get more weird news anytime, anywhere at DailyDoseOfWeirdNews.com. When you're there, you can get the free Daily Dose of Weird News app. You can find Daily Dose of Weird News on the Umano app. You can also check out the new YouTube show, Daily Dose of Weird News. All there at DailyDoseOfWeirdNews.com. There will never be a point in your time in your life where it's the right time to do a great thing. If you're waiting for that perfect, perfect moment, that perfect timing, it's not going to happen. You know what you have to do? You have to create the perfect time and the perfect opportunity and the perfect situation. That a lot of people become comfortable. They stop growing. They stop wanting anything. They, they become satisfied. People getting ready to go to jobs that they don't like. Jobs that are making them sick. You see, when you're not pursuing your goal, you are literally committing 
spiritual suicide. When you have some goal out here that you're stretching for and reaching for that takes you out of your comfort zone, you'll find out some talents and abilities you have that you didn't know you have. When the messenger of misery visits you, what are you going to do? What will keep you in the game? There are things that you think you'll never need to know that you may only need to know one time in your life, but that could save your life because you had that knowledge. Unless you attempt to do something beyond that which you've already mastered, you will never grow. What is it that you looked at at some point in time and you decided that you couldn't do it? That you talked yourself out of it? You're waiting on your next door neighbor to make it happen for you. It may not happen. If you're waiting on your mother or your father, they may be so ancient in their thinking that they don't understand this opportunity that you have. And if you're waiting on them, it may never get done. You don't beg average people to be phenomenal. You don't beg good people to be phenomenal. You just are phenomenal and you will attract phenomenal. What reason can you remember that you can call on, that you can reach on, that can make you get back up? Find that reason. If you're not where you are, if you're not where you want to be, if you don't have what you want, want to have, if you're not where you think you should be at this particular place, it has nothing to do with the system, but it has everything to do with the fact that you're not making the sacrifice. I want you to make that dream become a reality because if you don't, you will be working for somebody else to make their dreams become a reality. Everybody is against you or don't believe in you no more. And let me tell you something, that's a lonely feeling. It's a lonely feeling, particularly people that you're doing it for. Most people take their greatness, take their ideas to the graveyard with them. Listen to me, if it was easy, everybody would do it. There are people right now who are working who don't want to work. There are people who hate their jobs, but they keep getting up to do it. The wealthiest place on the planet is the graveyard. Because in the graveyard we will find inventions that we never ever were exposed to. Ideas, dreams that never became reality. Hopes and aspirations that were never acted upon. Question is what are you gonna do with your time? What drives you? Greatness is a lot of small things done well. Day after day, Workout after workout, obedience after obedience, day after day. When things don't work out for you, when things happen that you could not anticipate, what are the reasons that you can think of that can keep you strong? You will never ever be successful until you turn your pain into greatness, until you allow your pain to push you from where you are to push you to where you need to be. Stop running from your pain and embrace your pain. Your pain is going to be a part of your pride, a part of your product. I, I challenge you to push yourself. See, it's easy to be on the bottom. It doesn't take any effort to be a loser. It doesn't take any motivation, any drive in order to stay down there on a low level. But it calls on everything in you. You have to harness your will to say, I'm going to challenge myself. I mean that what you did last week don't count. Today, today is the only important day. There are 86,400 seconds in a day, and how you use those are critical. You got 86,400 today, and what you do today is going to see me who you are. Nobody's going to talk about what you did last week.
that the biggest enemy you have to deal with is yourself. There's an old African proverb that says, if there's no enemy within, the enemy outside can do us no harm. You have this opportunity of a lifetime. It means absolutely nothing if you don't take advantage of it in the lifetime of this opportunity. I got a saying that when life knocks you down, try and land on your back because if you can look up, you can get up. If you want a thing bad enough to go out and fight for, to work day and night for, to give up your time, your peace, and your sleep for, if all that you dream and scheme is about it, and life seems useless and worthless without it, it's time now. If you want to make this your decade, you've got to start saying yes to your life. You've got to start saying yes to your dreams. Yes to your unfolding future. Yes to your potential. As opposed to saying no. When you die, die on each. Leave no dream left behind, God. Leave no opportunity left behind. When you leave this earth, accomplish every single thing you can accomplish. Listen to me, you're going to be here one day, but you'll never get here if you give up, if you give in, if you quit. And finally, guys, you got to want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe.
thank you for joining us today. We hope you've gained something from what has been shared. Special thanks to the creators of the TNTBS jingle. It was written by Lamont Champ Josie and composed by Robert Jenkins. Thank you to everyone who supports us by downloading the phone app at thisneedstobesaid.com, by commenting on the TNTBS talk show fan page on Facebook, by retweeting us on Twitter at TNTBS, by also sharing this show with your friends. Thank you for logging in through your computer, as well as calling in to listen on the phone lines. Now go out and tell more people about this great show. If you thought the show sucked, tell them anyway. Bad news travels fast is what I'm told. Either way, tell them to tune in each weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're always looking for new guest commentators, awesome topics, and most of all, we want your opinion. Visit us at www.thisneedstobesaid.com. We'd love to hear from you. There's an elephant in the room. You were thinking it, so we're going to talk about it. Until we meet again in the same place at the same time, have a super day.